the latest Fifth Step podcast on drawing up an IT budget checklist. Here we are now, almost into the end of August, and it's that time of year when those with budget responsibility are being asked to submit their, their numbers. Today I'll be speaking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray about how intelligent planning will help you to make good decisions. So Darren, how does IT fit into the budget, into the business budget? Well, Chris, um, IT is a an asset to the business and a cost to the business um, through uh, through that. So um, you really have to do your budget planning um, in alignment with the business and make sure the business is buying into uh, what you're budgeting for and actually that you're serving their needs and meeting their strategic objectives as part and parcel of that planning. Mm-hmm. So I think strategy is the key to this, isn't it? IT is a strategic asset and needs to be treated accordingly. Absolutely. So. Um, it's a responsibility of the CIO or the head of IT, the IT director, uh, whatever the title may be, um, to understand the business strategy and to understand how IT satisfies that strategy, um, how it uh, enables the business to meet their, strat- their strategy both in a uh, tactical way, um, so doing things right here, right now to, to meet a, a current need and demand, but also in a strategic way, so looking into the future as well. Are you finding in, in these times of um, austerity, I suppose, from a personal point of view, it's these are austere times, but also from a business perspective, are you finding that IT is becoming is going, moving further up the list of things that are important to consider? Well, absolutely it is, because um, IT is a, is a resource magnifier. Um, so it enables you to actually do more with uh, less resources. So if you can make your... Um, if you're in an insurance organisation and you can make your claims more efficient through um, your claims software, um, then obviously that's going to help the business. It's going to mean that the business might need um, slightly less people or it may mean that those same people can actually concentrate on things that are more important or valuable to the business um, that uh, the software can, um, can help them process that part of their work more, more effectively. Mm-hmm. So where does the uh, well, where does the process begin? I mean, are, is there a can we say is there a five step process that we should be looking at, or is there you know what's what, what comes first? Well, I guess there's a number of um, things that you need to consider, and it's important to stress here at the beginning that many organisations will have their own process, their own budgeting process um, that um, probably the finance department insists on being followed. Um, so you must obviously follow that uh, follow that process and make sure that. Uh, uh, that you're following everything your finance department um, want and expect of you and do that in a timely fashion because um, getting your budget in and getting the right budget submitted is absolutely uh, critical to that uh, that process. But having done that and followed the process, um, the important thing then is to make sure that you're considering all of the things. And it's very easy if you've got, you know, if you're very busy or you're very um, focused on one particular area of um, of your IT responsibilities, it's easy to um, you know, get caught up in that one area and make sure that's well funded um, whilst uh, perhaps um, not paying as much attention to another area. So for me, um, it always begins with a review of the current um, uh, change agenda. Um, do that with, um, you know, in, with in mind the, um, uh, the change that's coming up throughout the course of the year. Make sure that you've spoken to the uh, the regular business sponsors, those who are responsible for change. Make sure you understand what change they're going to be expecting during the course of the year, um, and ideally, um, you know, get a draft um, change plan. That doesn't mean a project plan. That means a, a list of the projects uh, and changes that the business is expecting. 
So if they're expecting to upgrade a, a major system throughout the course of the year, hopefully you've already been consulted about that and you already know that, but better to know now and to budget for it than um, to be whacked by it you know, uh, next uh, June and you've got to get it all completed and you've got no IT budget assigned for it. So make sure that that takes place first of all um, mm. is, um, is, is absolutely key. Um, making sure that you've got the business demand. I mean, I spoke there about projects, but um, the business might also have uh, other areas where they're expanding uh, in order to meet their, um, uh, you know, their objectives and their uh, key aspects, uh, their objectives and goals for the year. So, if they're looking to increase the capacity of their um, of their web presence, for example, um, by 50%, or if they're looking to do 50% more business through one area of the business than another. They're all aspects that require a degree of IT involvement, uh, potentially IT change, but certainly IT involvement. So make sure that you've got um, uh, the, the business on board, making sure that they're becoming owners of the projects and of the change, the changes, and that they're taking responsibility for those. Um, that it's not just becoming a, oh well, we fire those over the fence to IT. They get the job done. Um, you know what goes unseen very often in those sorts of situations is that IT are working, um, you know, day and night to make sure that the business um, gets the changes that they uh, that they're yeah. asking for. Um, but it may not be the most efficient or costly way of actually running an IT team to just drop it over to them and expect them to um, you know get it all done either at the 11th hour or you know with little um, help from the from the business um, you know IT needs to insist on f far more business involvement than uh, uh, than perhaps they have done historically mm, okay uh, I know IT also has to reflect the the, the, you know, the external changing world that you know, it, it revolves around us but as well I mean next year we're looking forward to next year we will be in a post Brexit environment. Um, I mean, obviously, there's all sorts of things happening in the, the, the cyber and data protection arena, um, mergers and acquisitions. I guess from the in the financial services sector is going to be something on people's radar. Can the IT budget reflect those potential changes looking ahead? Yeah, well, it certainly should. If the business is is projecting these, and it and it very much depends on the individual organisations as to how they um, how they respond, how they. Um, how they plan for such things, but um, any IT or, or any part of an IT organisation, um, sorry, any part of an organisation um, needs to plan for these things, and doubly so IT, um, because IT gets um, involved in many changes because most aspects of business change these days involve an element of IT change. So, if your organisation is looking to either conduct mergers and acquisition or it's felt that it may be an acquisition target, then IT needs to be in the right shape, in the right place, to be able to either um, absorb the, um, uh, the the new acquisition or to be in the best place to become part of a, a, um, you know, a new company, a joined-up company. Yeah. What are the common checks that people need to make them? Um, well, I think there's, a, there's probably about uh, half a dozen of them, Chris, but... Um, one of those that's a real hot topic at the moment, continues to be a hot topic, should I say, is making sure that you've got your cybersecurity um, yeah. uh, budget in place. Um, cybersecurity continues to be, um, you know, something that boards are asking questions about. That continues to be, you know, new breaches and new hacks. Um, not quite on a weekly basis these days, but you know, they're still occurring even in mainstream media. You know, not even in the industry media. Mainstream media is still. 
um, you know, referencing um, yes. hacks, cyber attacks, and 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 hacks that are taking place. So, um, help your organisation not be or not fall victim to one of these um, attacks by making sure that you've got the right amount of cyber security budget um, in your in your budget. If it doesn't fall entirely within the IT budget, so if you've got um, uh, a security officer and they have their own uh, budget, make sure you're talking with them. Make sure that they've got um, the adequate budget. Um, assigned and make sure that the IT element of that is either part of their budget or it's part of your budget depending on the way that the organization works but make sure that IT and cyber security is well represented in the organization's budget. Okay and when you, in terms of cyber security I mean when we talk about budget setting aside budget for that are we talking about the, the latest uh, software upgrade or a firewall or is this much more of people and processes type thing that you're talking about? Well typically it will be both depending on the maturity of the organisation and where they are in their cyber security planning but certainly people and process is the is the is the greatest um, say, we're, say we're talking about a FTSE 250 company something along you know Fortune yep. 500 those type of companies yep. what do they have to look at? They have to look at making sure their people and process are in the right place, that they've got the right policies in place to be able to reassure stakeholders, um, shareholders, the board, um, that they are taking cybersecurity and information security um, seriously. They also need to make sure, of course, as part of that, that they have the right hardware in place, that they've got the right, hard, um, the right firewalls in place, that they've got the right um, software in place, um, and that it's adequately protected. Um, and configured um, so that so that they can demonstrate um, their uh, the right approach all the way all the way around not just from any one perspective not just from the people and process perspective because you can have all the policies in place that you want but if your network is wide open then uh, you know the hackers aren't going to take any notice of your policies and process equally you can have the most locked down network but if your people inside don't understand you know uh, what a phishing attack is um, and you know they give away their user ID and password to a hacker unwittingly, um, then obviously that's going to be a, a problem for the organisation as well. So it needs to be holistic in its approach. Okay, well, uh, a lot of us obviously live in the cloud uh, these days. Um, so you certainly well, live well, in I the cloud, Chris. Metaphorically and <laughs> realistically. But no, well, in these days of, you know, of cloud-based computing, um, hardware is still uh, a perennial topic as well, isn't it? I mean... Uh, what do you need to consider from a hardware update point of view? Yeah, I mean, you're quite right, Chris. I mean, I guess um, the the hardware update goes hand in hand, as you've alluded to there, with um, with the decision around cloud. Um, Organisations are starting to use cloud more. Cloud um, resourcing is uh, and and hardware is far more trusted than it was a f uh, you know a few years ago. It's also become stronger. Um, however, many organisations still have. Um, their own hardware, whether that be servers or we just mentioned, you know, firewalls. Mm. Um, so making sure that the, that you're including within your budget um, uh, updates and refreshes where appropriate for on-site hardware is absolutely critical. Um, you know, at the very least, you want to be making sure that you've got um, you know maintenance contracts in place for uh, for any hardware. Certainly critical hardware. You know this all obviously all goes down to the size of the organisation and yes. the budget that the organisation has. So you have to be proportionate in what you're doing, but making sure that your critical hardware is uh, protected in the best way that it can be is absolutely vital. Um, but 
build into that, you know, are there savings to be made through, you know, going to the cloud? You know, understand your organization's uh, approach um, and, and potential adversity to, uh, to using the cloud. Mm. Um, if, you've, if you're part of an organization where um, there's an interest um, and a trust in using uh, cloud, you may well find it's actually cheaper than running your own hardware. Right. Um, yeah, and maintaining your own hardware. Okay. Um, well, how about the software license? Uh, software licensing. Uh, this can be, you know, very complex. I gather. So, you know, what savings can you make? Well, that's that's always a perennial question. <laughs> Unfortunately, the uh, the software companies. Um, uh, seem to make software licensing more complex every year. So as part of your planning, um, it's very often best to speak to um, organizations, you know, Microsoft licensing, and I, I pick on them only because we've been dealing with yeah. a, a client recently who has, uh, has needed to go around that, that loop of understanding their licensing and, and working with a, um, a software vendor, a Microsoft software vendor, to actually understand their licensing and potential ways that they can uh, they can make savings. So don't assume that you're even if you're um, you know a pure Microsoft house or a, you know a largely Oracle house or whichever um, large software vendor that you're using for a lot of your uh, a lot of your software. Don't assume that um, that there's no savings to make, be made. Speak mm. to your software vendor. Look at your licensing. Um, see if there's another way of um, uh, of doing it and approaching it. Um, it's a good practice um, to get into the habit of that. And um, if nothing else, it'll help you understand um, your licensing. And uh, it, it may guide, if not this year, it may guide future year um, decisions sure. on, uh, on on when and how to upgrade your software. Um, in terms of uh, data analytics, is uh, something that's been talked about increasingly over the over the last four or five years, and, and further back even than that. I mean, a lot of people now are looking to find ways of differentiating themselves from the competition, aren't they? And innovation uh, is being talked up very much as a way of, you know, combating the, the difficult sort of nature of the the business environment. So, I mean, can you? You know, is this the time to start planning for innovation? Can you plan to, to be mm. more innovative? Absolutely, you can. Yeah, you can. You can start innovation programs, and you can have um, uh, your know, groups um, that have innovation responsibility. You can, can fit into the IT budget checklist. Uh, well, very often it does yeah. because uh, you know the, the the CIO or head of IT is very often seen as. Um, you know, an innovator within uh, within the business. Um, it depends on how your business um, approaches innovation, but there is absolutely no reason why um, IT can't play uh, a massive part in innovation. Um, you know, that doesn't just need to be limited to um, IT orientated innovation either. It's about business innovation, but absolutely, um, CIOs um, can and should innovate for. Um, uh, innovate and um, should budget for innovation um, and look at ways that their teams can become uh, more innovative even if it's just brainstorming sessions about how we can improve things yeah um, that can be the beginning of of um, y you know uh, a gentle uh, innovation program hmm. so you need to be starting to think about that now if you're looking to do you know make major changes for 2017. Yeah, and it may not be, you know, it may not need uh, a lot of budget to actually kick that kind of stuff off. It may be something that you can run alongside. Um, you know, I've known um, teams to actually start this as part of their team meeting. You know, 
uh, adding an extra 15 minutes to a team meeting for a brainstorming session. Sometimes the constraint of time in that way can actually make people very creative because they think about it at other times and they bring those ideas to the team meeting, um, you know, to the brainstorming um, session that, that forms part of the team meeting. Uh, would you recommend uh, vendors bringing in vendors to talk, you know, to, to give ideas or presentations or workshops or innovation? Is that something you, you might want to consider? Sometimes that can work. Um, it very much depends on the focus and um, the orientation of your innovation uh, program. Um, if you're bringing in vendors like that, be cautious and aware that uh, any vendor being invited into a client is going to see that. Is probably going to see that as an opportunity, you know, a sales opportunity. So you need to make it very clear uh, what the role and responsibility um, that they're that they're playing. Obviously, if you're getting closer to your vendors, um, you know that's a good thing for those vendors if they're existing vendors. If they're new vendors, they're going to want to use it as a an opportunity to get mm. closer to you. But yes, it's um, it can be a very good idea to bring in, um, uh, you know, to involve vendors at the appropriate point. Um, in terms of project management, well, mm. what do you need to consider? You know. Does that need to be considered as part of the, the budget checklist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, as I said, um, you know, at the beginning, uh, go back through the change, um, your change program. Look at that, how that, um, how that's panning out for the coming year. So, look into that. Um, uh, but you know, many organisations will have uh, you know critical software updates. Um, that need to be performed. Now they may be critical software updates that they're well aware of, that they, you know, they occur on a regular basis. Um, it may be that they can even tie those down to specific dates, um, you know, because uh, that vendor is particularly well organised. Other vendors will say, oh well, we'll release something around about Q3. Um, you know, you're still going to have to have in your budget the fact that you're going to do, um, or you're anticipating an upgrade, um, you know, during Q3 um, to this software. And you're going to need to plan that from a you know a change perspective and a potential um, you know any potential downtime that may come along with uh, with such an upgrade. But you're going to, definitely going to need to plan for it in terms of a, a budget for um, you know the staff uh, and potentially you know external vendors who are going to be helping you with that. Okay, um, well, as we mentioned, I just mentioned project management. Um, if we're going to go back to the good old SWOT analysis, mm. uh, which people you know still do these days, I gather. Um, but what are the you know the opportunities that you would say are out there for you know two for you know a CIO who's looking at his budget right now um, and wants to, to upgrade his processes? What are um, the opportunities? I, well, I think the opportunities come in many different um, forms. Um, you know, budgeting time of year. Um, very often, people don't see that necessarily as a uh, as an opportunity. They you know they they see it as a as a chunk of work that needs to be done, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know something a bit of a pain. The hoops that have to be um, jumped through in order to continue you know getting good stuff done. But um, the opportunities are well. We've spoken about um, innovation and um, the potential to start a new innovation program. Program, for example, but there are other opportunities out there in terms of, you know, largely speaking, getting ahead of the game, understanding yeah. what's coming down the pipeline. You know, we've got GDPR is coming down the, uh, yeah. the pipeline for for those organisations that are working with um, data for European uh, residents, for example. Um, you know, the likelihood is that you're going to need to be um, uh, at least planning that during uh, 2017, even if you're not allocating budget. So the opportunities come in many different forms, Chris. But yes. opportunities to save money um, through, um, you know, negotiating with software and hardware vendors and um, hardware maintenance vendors, and potentially moving over to the cloud. 
opportunities to get ahead of regulation that's going to impact your organization um, and get um, things uh, done before they need to be done. So what are, in terms of the regulation, which, are, which ones are you thinking of primarily? Um, well, from the financial services perspective, um, you know, Basel III is uh, fairly well implemented um, these days. Um, Organisations have a, uh, most of the banks that they impact uh, have a fairly good handle on that these days, but there's still um, some aspects of that that need to be, um, continue to be looked at. Um, solvency II, obviously, for the insurance um, sector, um, you know, um, that's uh, been bedding in throughout the course of the year. There's going to be some um, some um, changes that organisations are going to need to look at. Such as? Um, well, the reporting process needs to be more fully bedded in, and I suspect that organisations are going to need to improve their business process around, um, potentially around the reporting, but potentially around the whole of solvency too. Yeah. Now that it's bedded in a little bit, they'll understand where the stresses and strains are a little bit more. You know, uh, what looks good on paper sometimes doesn't work quite as well um, in reality, and you need to be able to you know, continually improve those processes to actually make them all work together. Okay. Um, GDPR, I already, uh, I already, uh, already mentioned, and obviously for UK-based companies, you know, a big aspect and a big um, opportunity and change um, is going to be uh, Brexit prepara preparation. Yes. You know. Um, whilst it's still a little bit unclear as to what that's going to mean at this point in time, you know, it depends on the nature of the exit from the European Union as to what organisations need to do. It's very much at this point in time about uh, preparing, looking ahead and understanding what your organisation's approach is going to be. And for, for the CIO, it's about understanding you know, what that means for, for IT. How is IT going to change as a result of any of those decisions that the business is, is looking at. When you're speaking to the CIOs, and you, I, I presume you're talking to a lot of them at this time of year about mm. these kind of issues, what are the uh, sort of, we've talked about opportunities, but what are the threats that they're outlining to you at the moment? What are the things that keep them awake at night? Um, well, I think we've spoken about a couple of them in, yeah. you know, in terms of... about cyber. Yeah, cyber, cyber keeps some of them awake at night. Um, you know, many of them have, um, you know, uh, have done the process improvements and, and looked at things, done a cyber security assessment, so they understand where their threats and weaknesses uh, and opportunities are in that respect uh, and are working through improving that. Um, Many of them um, have concerns that their budgets are going to mm. be um, uh, cut, um, either as a result of you know some change, um, you know, Brexit kind of uh, change, for example. But most of them are actually seeing their budgets um, uh, stay um, even, if not in many cases actually increasing. Yeah. But the the responsibilities um, that IT um, is taking on certainly aren't decreasing. So. Whilst uh, an increase is great, that usually comes as part and you know part and parcel of an increase in responsibility too. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, other threats, I suppose disaster recovery is always uh, something which is uh, strong on the on the on in people's minds. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's amazing, really, Chris, because you know many companies don't you know many European-based companies don't perform regular disaster recovery um, uh, tests. Um, you know, and, uh, and don't test their business continuity plans nearly frequently enough. You know, we, we also work, uh, as you know, with organisations in, in Bermuda. And one of the advantages that uh, the, the Bermudian teams, they may not always see it as an advantage, but one of the advantages they have is that um, 
uh, they have to test their disaster recovery plans and business continuity plans on an annual basis because they're in a um, you know they're in a hurricane zone. So um, you know they regularly have to go without power for a number of hours. They regularly have to prepare for sure. you know, potential damage. Now, uh, being based in a more um, uh, northerly climate in most of Europe, um, you know we don't get that kind of weather. We don't uh, get impacted by that. But disaster recovery and business continuity isn't just about the impacts of weather. Sure, it can also include cyber, and we've, uh, we've discussed that a number of times already. But there are other uh, features and, um, uh, and other scenarios organizations need to be preparing for. Um, you know, we already know that the banks um, uh, stress test around uh, their scenarios. Um, stress testing is also a part of um, Solvency 2 for insurance companies. So. Uh, those uh, those guys need to be testing that and need to be building some of those scenarios, some of the edges of those scenarios into their disaster recovery and their business continuity planning as well. Okay, okay. Well, I think that pretty much concludes what we're, we need to talk about here. Um, I mean, while you may not have a crystal ball to help you with budgeting, I think Darren's just outlined how intelligent planning can help you to make good decisions, uh, and uh, that was great. Thanks for doing that, and. Um, if anything else you'd like to conclude with? No, that's great. Thanks very much, Chris. Okay.